Hey, video game fans, I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. And this is Memory Card. You know, we're always saying, hey, video game fans, you know, we should like try to branch out to other appliances. To, oh, like people who are fans of like fridges or VCRs? Yeah, yeah maybe like video game fridges or video game microwaves, you know? <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like fans of other electronics. Oh, wait, you, you don't mean like a literal fan? No, no. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying like an actual like oscillating like a ceiling fan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. Were you oh. were you under the impression that our podcast was going out to inanimate objects? To millions, uh, you know, around the world. Uh, <laughs> just. I mean, it'd be easy to send it to them, but I just don't feel like they could give very good uh, reviews, you know, on like Apple Podcasts and stuff. Well, do you think that we ha- have any reviews from fans? <laughs> actual fans i don't know i mean the, the most of the fans i know they just tend to shake their heads back and forth you know the oscillating ones and that seems like kind of a negative thing yeah they're just like my just like my father they're always disappointed <laughs> yeah maybe we don't want them giving us yeah. reviews at least those kind yeah no negative fans we, we just want the positive ones uh you forgot to write an intro again didn't you push uh no there's there's one on the document it, yeah 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 um you, you just Probably don't see it. So let's let's actually get started with our episode, which is the last episode of the season. If if all things add up correctly, I don't know. We'll see how things are. Yeah. We record these in advance, so we might have more Patreon followers. We might be getting in um, enough to uh, do some bonus episodes, which will be fantastic. Bonus stage? That's what we should call it. Bonus stage. Ooh. Yeah, I like it. I like it, too. I'm so clever. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And so humble. (laughs) And so humble, you know? And just the the, the most humblest and cleverest person Mm -hmm. in the world. Total package. So, I wanted to ask you... Do you consider video games as art? Uh, putting you on the hot spot here. Ooh. You know, I need, I need an answer with, you know, 300 world words, um, you know, by the end of Tuesday. Oh, wow. Written essay style. In, blo- in blood. Yes, I would say uh, video games are definitely considered art, at least in, in my mind. Okay. Do you have like a particular example that you're thinking of? You know, I always tend to jump to uh, Flower. And Journey for the PS3, which I feel like have both been ported to the PS4. They're made by the um, That Game Company or something like yeah, that? Yeah, they're, they're literally called <laughs> That Game Company. Yeah. <laughs> the, possibly the worst game company to refer to on a podcast. Yeah, you know, That <laughs> Game Company. So if people haven't played those, Flower, at least, is where you control the wind and you have to kind of like blow these flower petals like through a meadow and help other flowers bloom. And it's, I mean, it's extremely beautiful and it's just kind of a... a fantastic experience that you can't really get in a movie you can't really get like with a you know still work of art Mm -hmm. so i I feel like that's always my go-to is there one video game that you feel like uh kind of proves that games are art i mean i I think there's so many and i think like for me i I consider just almost every video game a piece of art because it has some creative expression in it true even games like mario you know you wouldn't really consider that art but in a lot of ways it is because you, ha- you have, like, a lot of these, like, like the pipes and stuff like that. That would be part of art, right? Like, 
the pipes and the flowers and, and mm-hmm. combine all those elements in one piece that would be like what um expressionism or something like that my wife would know she's an actual art teacher so we should be talking to her <laughs> yeah and, and she she thinks that uh video games are art i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. i don't know how we've been together so long and not really had this conversation yeah it's, it's good to tear apart our marriage yeah <laughs> but I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure she's in our corner so if you can have <laughs> sculptures and pieces of pictures and stuff like that as art then you know what's what's the difference between that and a computer game like a computer program you know i I feel like people think that the viewer is involved you know what i mean like they're interactive and i feel like some people think that that takes away the artistic value but i feel like you have to have the viewer because like even with art you you have to have the viewer to see the art and in order to make those judgments and to like reflect and to change and to uh, understand right yeah, but I guess just the fact that you know you're manipulating it changes it, to, and that might take it down a notch in some people's eyes. Yeah, they get really mad when I tried to take off the the Mona Lisa off the wall of the Louvre, and you know, yeah, play around yeah. with it, add a add a mustache. I'm like, come on, <laughs> they let me do, they let me do it on the 3ds tour yeah. guide version. Come on, yeah, we we kind of lo- talked about that with the the Louvre, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit about video games and art, but we'll be talking kind of tangentially about another person, and his name is Kazutoshi Ida. You might not have heard of him, but he's particularly influential in the video game sphere. And I want to spend some time talking about his life and some of his games that he's made. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'll be honest, just when you mentioned him as an idea, I just kind of Googled him up, and I had not, like, heard of him. I'd heard of some of the games he'd worked on, but I had no idea who he actually was, so this will be informative for me as well. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned before, he's kind of an outlier when talking about the video game industry. You know, he's been involved with uh, video games since the Famicom era, and he has remained a consistent presence in the industry. He actually uh, doesn't really, he kind of makes games, but not like full-time. He's actually a professor at Ritsumeikon uh, in Kyoto for uh, game design. Hmm. And recently, for, uh, for the Japan Game Awards, he was even chosen as one of the panelists for the Game Designer's Choice Award along with Masahiro Sakurai uh, in 2020. That's pretty prestigious. Yeah, his name was right next to Sakurai if you look at the list of panel panelists. Like, that's how high up he is. But if you ask people, you know, in the West, particularly, you know, who he is, they generally don't have any idea. Yeah, I definitely fall into that category. So um, let's go ahead and um, just quickly go over his life. So he was born November 26, uh, 1968. He's about 51 years old as we're recording. And uh, he was deeply influenced by Space Invaders, just like a lot of other game designers. Like the Space Invader boom was such a huge moment for video games. Uh, you have um, Satoshi Tajiri, Masahiro Sakurai. You, you have all these game designers being influenced by Space Invaders because that's when video games really became popular in Japan. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people know the arcade hits that really conquered america but in japan a lot of those same ones tended to really hook people like in uh in america i think it's primarily uh donkey kong and pac-man right mm-hmm. but in japan it's like all space invaders and like of course pac-man was really big here as well donkey kong did really well but space invaders was definitely the king for a long time and that's why you have so many different clones and different um games that were inspired by it but let's uh talk about that later he was also inspired by Tetris, a game that you could potentially play forever if you never made any mistake. <laughs> it's true. 
Ida uh, has called video games instant meditation machines hmm. and has sought to reproduce that in his work. He's also been influenced by punk and Star Wars. For education, he actually went to an art school, so he's actually trained as an artist. And then for university, he went to Tama Art University. He was also interested in computer graphics at the time because it, it, he felt like it gave him more options for executions and was interested in seeing if his art skills could translate to computers. Hmm. So when he has made games, um, they typically don't have an end goal and they're very open-ended and he tends to be very, very experimental and not have like a linear approach. His goal, his primary goal is to have players face, face in a game that they don't understand and in the end understand themselves. Wow, it's deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's also very quirky in all the interviews I've read and, and everything like that, as, as you can probably imagine. When talking about video games, he compared them to like a cheap drug that could provide an escape for players. I can kind of see that. And that he believes that repetition and feedback are very, very important. So when he was asked um, what kind of artists have actually influenced him, there's uh, an artist called um, Marcel Duchamp, uh, sorry, Marcel Duchamp, who is like the father of ready-made art. Mm -hmm. um, so ready-made art is like where you take pieces of ordinary objects and then repurpose them and um, oh, kind of okay. like reintroduce uh, them as pieces of art. Um, Marcel Duchamp's um, fam most famous piece is The Fountain, where he actually took a men's urinal and wrote his like wrote a fake signature on it mm -hmm. and then presented it not to be confused with the uh the sega urinals that you can play video games on yeah these are strictly non-video games on purpose they're just yeah. hanging out in a museum um that you can't use because you know, they're pieces of art you know watch me is that a dare <laughs> come on man <laughs> so yeah um modern art is something that Kazutoshi Ida has really been influenced by, and it's something that he tries to reproduce. At one point, he said that he was just going to make three games, and that's it, and like retire from the industry. And he basically did that for a long, long time, but I think um, he's been involved with a couple of games and a couple of other titles since those three major games. It kind of sounds like the uh, creator of Earthbound, a toy. Yeah, it sounds, yeah, it sounds a little bit like the toy. Yeah, just kind of like wants to dabble here and there and was just like, you know what? I like video games. Let me try my hand at it. <laughs> so so the first title is Aquanauts Holiday, which was a um, PlayStation title. And the tagline for it was Ambience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he worked at the, uh, the studio um, Art Dink for six years. And then he was finally given the chance of making his own game and the concept that he came up with was a virtual aquarium. Hmm. So the whole game, if you, if you will, is basically swimming along with fishes and checking them out. Is it realistic fish? Uh, it's 3D, yeah. Well, I mean, well, not like, do they look realistic? Like, it's like actual... Yeah, yeah, it's... Okay. it's... Like, fish you could find in the real world. It's not like sea monkeys with tridents or anything right? no 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 it's it's not like cartoonish or outlandish in any way it, oh, okay. it's somewhat realistic and it's supposed to be like just like a bubble that players can go into and kind of explore and and get a feel and kind of relax right yeah it's like meditation so uh he was asked if um if he actually did like research to like accurately simulate the ocean environment but um 
he didn't really he, like he visited a couple of aquariums and um he was asking like the staff like oh how how do fish school and stuff like that but it was too confusing and too much and so mm. he just decided to kind of do his own thing and, and mm. try to do what looked right and in, in, in like what kind of felt uh good now is this like a Nintendogs type thing where you have to take care of the fish, like feed them, no. and no, no, it's literally... you're just l- literally just exploring oceans. Okay, so you you can you can move. Yeah, there's no there's no enemies, there's no obstacles. There's like a I guess there is an objective, and that's to build a coral reef mm. to attract more fish, but it's not like a you know a hard end goal. Right now, is this a first person view? Yeah, first person. Oh, okay. And so, like, I think uh, you're actually in a submarine. Oh, okay. But you don't see the submarine, really. It, it's, it's all first-person view, so. The development lasted about eight months, and then it sold 200,000 copies. It would actually eventually spawn a number of sequels. I didn't expect it to have done so well. Yeah, and um, it, it kind of captured the imagination uh, from a lot of people, just because it was so quirky and so different. And then he got into an argument with Art Dink, because um, he really wanted to add his own name to the title, and Art Dink didn't, didn't like that. Mm. But in the end, he, he was able to convince them and, and kind of build up his own brand from that. That's nice. Hey, listeners, we're putting this episode on pause for a bit to talk about how you can support Memory Card. Don't you dare hit that skip ahead button. We promise this won't take too long. If you enjoy the show, the easiest way to support us is by simply spreading the word. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your followers, tell that weird guy at 7-Eleven. Hey, listen! If you're less of a social butterfly, you can always leave a positive review. Or you can follow us on Twitter at MemCardShow. You can take your support to the next level by joining our community on Patreon. Memory Card patrons receive perks like early ad-free episodes, shoutouts, and early access to bonus content in our Save Files archive. Every little bit helps, so we hope you'll consider pledging a dollar or two. You can find out more on patreon.com slash memcard. That's patreon.com slash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. And now, back to the show. The, the next game that he did was uh, Tale of the Sun. And it was also for the PlayStation, also developed by Artink. This would be the last game that he developed with uh, Artink. Uh, kind of a spoiler, but... Oh, no. It was inspired by the Great Hunchin Earthquake. Um, which was an earthquake in in Japan that like really hit Kobe really hard. So he wanted to create something that would really showcase people's willingness to survive. And because of that um, idea, he decided to focus on cavemen. Huh, really? That's not where I thought this so was going. I, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm assuming you've never heard of Tale of the Sun either. No, but I've heard of that earthquake. I think Bethany and I actually visited something when we were in Kobe. Yeah. Like on the pier, they still have like a, a road that was yeah. like wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. It's very, it's very beautiful. They have like a, like I think a stairwell that's like just uh, engulfed by water and, and stuff like that. Uh huh. There's some like street, street lamps and stuff like sticking out. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And they have like a cool, like interactive thing where you can like learn about the, you know, disaster in different languages and stuff. But, mm hmm. But anyway, cavemen, please tell me. Cavemen, yeah. So Tale of the Sun is a 3D action role-playing game, and it's developed by Artink. And again, it doesn't really have a goal. But like the goal is to build like uh, a tower of husk 
so you could reach the sun. Did you say husk? Yeah, of, of mammoth. Woolly mammoth. Oh, tusk. I'm sorry. I thought you said husk like corn, yeah, like corn husk. I'm like, all right, oh, sure, man, whatever. Yeah. Build up that corn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, you're a caveman. You're running around. You can kill animals. They can kill you. And it's just special, like, 3D. And it, it's very trippy to watch. Hmm. And you have to, like, continually eat and sleep um sometimes your character will just randomly fall asleep in the game it's like me in real life yeah when he was coming up with his game he really wanted to come up with something that was like a meta game so it was a game about games and he called the tale of the sun as the anti mario 64 because um it was it has no plot it has no real end objective and it's just like you're there, and you're kind of playing this thing. Yeah, I've never even heard of this. I, I definitely need to look into some videos on of this. Can you actually reach the sun if you get enough? Yeah, if you if you get enough of those tests, you, you will complete complete the game, but then it just kind of restarts. That's wild. He felt like if he had made the action elements too strong, then it would turn into an action game, and so he, he wanted to have some level of action like with the running and jumping and, and hunting and everything but he wasn't really focused on those elements and he was just he just wanted to create like this this world where players could enter and, and run around hmm. so give them like quite a bit of freedom but still give them a goal yeah exactly and then the the third game that he made which i'm sure you've heard of is uh doshin giant yes so that that's his most famous title he actually joined a company called uh, Param to make that title. Yeah, we talked about that one uh, for a little bit on our, our lost episode, the uh, Nintendo disk drive episode that we did mm-hmm. that we never, ever posted. So you're going to have to give us the lowdown again on, uh, on, on Doshin the Giant here. So yeah, uh, Doshin the Giant is a uh, gods game where you are this huge giant and you can stretch up land or uh, push land down and... Um, you go around and you have these villagers. You can be either you can be a good god, you can be a bad god, uh, like an evil evil god. So yeah, it's a little bit like um, Populus, which is like a classic god um, simulator. <laughs> simulator. It's it's also kind of similar to Black and White, but pretty different. And it was made for the Nintendo sixty four disc drive. Um, so it used, utilized the zip disc that came with that console, and it would um, allow players to save and write huge amounts of data like for the time it was unheard of because they were able to save and write data at the same time mm-hmm. uh they were able to create these worlds that could be manipulated uh, for the first time in, in in like video games with doshin um he sought to do that basically fun fact actually uh miyamoto wanted to create the a sphere w- world for doshin which would eventually be used in mario galaxy so he wanted you to be able to have a sphere world that you could walk around and manipulate? Yeah. Kind of like Animal Crossing where you just like... It rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But it, it didn't end up going like that. But still, I think Doshin did all right. Um, the game is, is quite quirky. And it was really released in uh, Europe on uh, the GameCube. Well, in Japan and Europe on the GameCube. I think I actually have that one on the uh, for the Japanese GameCube. I don't think the, the U.S. ever got it, right? Nope. Nope, never came to the U.S., as far as I know. But there was a sequel, right? Yeah, there was a sequel, and um, Ida was not really involved with that. And that one was 
really weird. <laughs> yeah, like extra weird. It's about like peeing, isn't it? Yes. So the the name is um, Toshin the Giant, and it's Kaiho Sensei Chibiko Chiko Dai Shugo, which is like Tinkling Toddler Liberation Front Assemble. <laughs> Bring all the toddlers together so they can whiz. Yeah, and the game has like some connectivity with um with the first ocean because you could like swap out the discs hmm. uh the zip disk with a 64 dd oh i see so you could like load up your save data and that would like allow you to um access certain parts of the second game but yeah the whole game is basically your your doshin giant you're peeing everywhere <laughs> and but i mean the nintendo 64 disk drive was not around for that long so those games had to be developed pretty close together is there a reason why he wasn't involved in the second one uh he he left a prime after a doshin oh hmm. so uh, i think he, he might have maybe he worked on some concept or or you know was partly involved with the design document for that but i think the boss approached him and said listen if you don't make this next game for us we're gonna make it and it's gonna be all about peeing yeah <laughs> he's like what he's like you threatening me yeah He's like, if you leave, we're going to make this weird game. And it's going to be attached to the series that you've helped create. <laughs> and then it backfired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no one really um, knows about this uh, Doshin Giant 2 because it's, it came out, like, at the end of N64 DD. It was sold in very limited quantities and everything like that. So even for Japan, it, it's pretty obscure. Hmm. I bet it's worth a pretty penny, though. Yeah. I think it's one of the more expensive uh, N64DD titles. I can imagine. So yeah, we have uh, Doshin. He was referenced in Smash Bros. So a lot, I think a lot of people know him from the trophy from that. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're kind of like... Who is this guy and why is he not a playable character? Yeah. Because <laughs> he looks amazing. Do, do you want to kind of describe what Doshin the Giant looks like? He's kind of like... He almost looks like Gumby, kind of. Not, not the right color, but he's just got the like... Oh yeah, he's kind of like a yellow... Yellow Gumby, yeah. Tall, like, mm -hmm. long arms. He's got this little sprout on his head, like a sprout of hair. It's the same color. Very, very simple face. Have you ever seen the, the evil version of him, Joshin? Yes, I think so. Yeah, so I think Joshin was also in Smash Melee. Right, as a, I think it's a trophy. Yeah, it's a separate trophy, but yeah. Yeah, he's like red. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, definitely, we'll have to put some pictures up on the save file for this episode. Go check that out. Yeah, um, Doshin can like basically like kill the villagers, <laughs> or, or like not save them from like tornadoes, and right. volcanoes, and fires, become, and stuff like that. Become the evil god. So what happened after uh, he left? So after he left, he kind of just did his own thing for a little bit. Like I said, he joined um, Ritsumeikon as a professor. Oh right. And um, in 2011, his art installation, which was called "Songs of Anagura: Missing Researchers and the Remaining Devices." Uh, it won the, a grand prize in entertainment division for the 15th uh, Japan Media Arts Festival. Nice. That was on display for, at the Mirai Con, which uh, I don't know if I, I think I asked you if you've been there before. The Future Museum. Yeah, I don't think I have. So, yeah, um, it was kind of like this art installation where, like, you could interact with it. You, like, every time you ran around, the, the things on the floor would follow you. You could, like, scream into microphones, and, and that would, like, Great wavelengths. Now you've been there, right? I've been to Miraikon, but I have not seen Anagura. I was gonna say, I feel like I remember talking to you about your experience there and how cool it was, but it's very interactive and and very artsy. But it, it I'll put up the video in the save files and it's 
check it out because it's really it looks really fun. But yeah, he's also worked on a couple of other games. Huh. Um. So one of those games was uh, Discipline: Birth of an Empire, which was made by Marvelous. They, you know, Marvelous works on um the No More Heroes series. Discipline: Birth of an Empire is a WiiWare title, and it was released only in Japan, and it's incredibly weird. <laughs> it doesn't sound that weird, but is it literally about birthing babies or something? No, but um, you are in a jail cell, basically, and um, you have to raise money for, uh, I think it's your little sister, so that she can have uh, surgery, and it's like a dystopian future where you're being like watched and monitored by guards. Um, you have to use the Wii Remote to kind of like look around the room and then instruct your uh, your cellmate or your sister or whatever to like use the bathroom, to sleep, and to other things. It's like the Sims management kind of thing. Yeah, but how do you raise money if you're in jail? Like by completing like certain tasks and stuff like that. <laughs> haven't you haven't you been to jail push? Come on. Well, they, they do work. Um, they have like their job that they do. Like it's it's like on a oh, see, time schedule. Like, you know, between this time you have to do this and this time you have to do that. That is very strange. It's very, very strange. But yeah, it was on the WiiWare. Um, probably will never be re-released again. And this will probably be our only time talking about it. <laughs> but this is good. We must uh, save it for future generations. We're officially uh, logging it in the memory card. Yeah, yeah it is officially saved. And then uh, another game that he worked on was Kizun. is a, a title that was actually planned by this fellow named Kenji Eno who was a Japanese musician. So he was really um, famous for his survival horror video game series, the, the D series. And um, before he died, uh, I think he died of, um, he, I, think he, I think he might have died of a heart attack. He was pretty young. Jeez, that's fortunate. It was planned by him, but, you know, unfortunately he passed away too soon, so he wasn't able to realize it. So Kazutoshi Ida was one of the people who worked on, on that game after he passed away. And um, was able to realize his vision through uh, Kickstarter and stuff like that. That's good. It's it's also a very weird game, which I I'm not sure how to how to describe. But um, basically, it's like very um, music heavy, and you have to like listen to the music and and see the the symbols that flash on the screen, and then like put the correct symbols in order and stuff like that. Huh. So it's almost like a rhythm puzzle game. Yeah, it's like a rhythm puzzle game. I think that's actually a perfect way to explain it. Well, I'll have to check that out because I love rhythm games and puzzle games, but I haven't seen many that uh, that use both. That wraps up the life of Kazutoshi Ida. Uh, he's he's still working. Like I said, he's still working on some titles. Um, I think he does a lot of consulting uh, these days. Did something with an Evangelion mobile game at one point. He's still around. He probably just needs the right project. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He sounds like the kind of guy who just probably gets ideas thrown at him all the time and if he feels like there's something that he can add to he's going to step in and put his own touch on it so we'll just have to hope that uh someone comes along with one of those ideas sometime soon but yeah i think like um if you ever try out one of his games you'll see that the whole idea of giving players uh kind of like a sandbox and and just letting them explore and experiment and escape and, and hopefully you'll come away um playing those games with something else
that's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by the talented, legendary chiptune master, Jamatar. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R on Spotify, or visiting jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter at MemCardShow. Or you can visit our website, MemoryCardShow.com. If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBenTendo and Push Dustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting MemoryCard on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, and we've added quite a few more this season. And that includes Jackson Bertoli. Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Tyler Davis, Courtney Cotton, Harrison, Jose Acosta, Talis, Shala, Jorge Bajija, and B-Side Brandon. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. Thanks so much for listening to our newest season. We're already hard at work on new episodes, so be sure to subscribe if you want to hear those first. And if you like the show, you should definitely leave a review. It helps us grow and it helps get the word out. Please, please, please leave a review if you can. See you later, alligator.